Welcome everyone to Mayo Clinic Q&A. I'm Dr. Helena Gazelka. When a patient is diagnosed with COVID-19, they're required to self-isolate until the infection is cleared. And while most patients will recover successfully at home, it's important to monitor symptoms as the disease progresses, particularly for patients who are at increased risk of complications. Mayo Clinic's remote patient monitoring program is using technology to keep some COVID-19 patients connected with their providers. Here to discuss is Dr. Tafia Haddad, an oncologist at Mayo Clinic and the medical director for Mayo Clinic Center for Connected Care Remote Patient Monitoring Program. Thanks for being here today. We are fascinated by this topic of how you're watching over people at home. Tell us about what is remote monitoring and what does it mean for patients? The way to think about it is that it is a model of healthcare delivery, whereby we are leveraging technology uh, and centralized care teams to monitor the health and disease trajectory of people when they are outside of our hospital and clinics. So you can think of it as in-between visit care. So in-between visits with the primary care or specialty care provider, or potentially to help support uh, transitions of care between a hospital discharge and when patients are seen back uh, by their primary care provider. It's a way that we can monitor uh, and support patients uh, in between these, these different types of clinical visits. The technology that we use in the home uh, is a cellular-enabled tablet, and often that, that tablet can deliver education to the patient about their condition, can help answer any questions they might have related to that. That tablet will also prompt them to complete symptom assessment, so we can assess their subjective condition um, if they're having uh, any shortness of breath, cough, um, symptoms that may be associated with the condition or the acute illness that, that we are monitoring. In addition to this, we can tailor the technology kit to also include uh, devices, medical grade equipment that we can use for more objective uh, monitoring of vital signs, such as a blood pressure cuff and monitor uh, that will give us both blood pressure and heart rate readings a pulse oximeter uh, that will allow us to monitor their oxygen saturations, a weight scale, a thermometer, et cetera. We can even have things like uh, glucometers to monitor blood sugars in our diabetic. The equipment, uh, these different uh, medical grade uh, devices are all Bluetooth enabled. So we are able to passively collect that information uh, via the tablet to the cloud. Uh, and then that information is served back to our care team nurses. So we have remote patient monitoring nurses then that are monitoring the patients uh, on the program. We have predetermined uh, parameters uh, that will alert our nurses then if there are any adverse trends um, in the symptoms or the objective uh, data that they are reporting to us. When the nurses receive those alerts, then they connect with the patient either by video through the tablet or by phone, and they can do a more formal clinical assessment and then determine from there if they need to further escalate care to any of our collaborating uh, care team physicians or advanced practice providers um, who are serving as the managing provider for the patient while they're on the program. I'm wondering how do you decide if a patient is eligible for this type of monitoring? I think you have low risk and high risk programs. How do patients right. fall into those categories? Yes, so specifically for the COVID-19 program, we work in partnership with the COVID care team physicians 
Uh, and we have also worked with COVID-19 experts in infectious disease and pulmonary critical care together with the COVID care team physicians to jointly come up with eligibility criteria for patients uh, to receive the remote monitoring. We certainly want to be able to serve those who are the most vulnerable for severe COVID-19 illness. So for example, patients who have underlying uh, pulmonary disease, uh, patients who are pregnant, uh, patients who are receiving chemotherapy for cancer. So if patients have any of these uh, risk factors for severe illness, they are offered that uh, high intensity monitoring program that I just described. But we also developed a more low touch solution um, where patients, we have it the care, uh, COVID-19 remote monitoring care plan that is facilitated through the Mayo Clinic mobile apps. So patients uh, just use their own uh, smartphone or tablet and through the Mayo mobile app, they are able to complete those symptom assessments. Um, we also ship a, a, a small kit uh, of technology, just the pulse oximeter and a thermometer uh, for monitoring. It's a sort of lower touch solution that uh, really facilitates more self-management uh, for patients who have, you know, are, are more at lower moderate risk uh, for the COVID-19 illness. How many patients then have you monitored this way um, during the COVID-19 pandemic so far? We have served uh, over 7,000 patients now uh, with both the uh, high intensity monitoring and the low intensity monitoring uh, programs. Uh, again, in collaboration with our COVID care teams that are centralized in the Midwest supporting Rochester and our health system, and then as well the COVID care teams in Arizona and Florida. We are very grateful to have those partnerships. They are certainly familiar with the local resources and protocols so that when we need to escalate care and potentially bring patients into the ED and hospital, those care teams at each of our Mayo sites um, are able to Know, know the teams, know the providers, and can work to make sure we have a very seamless uh, escalation of care for those patients who uh, are adversely trending at home and are in need of perhaps oxygen support, need to start steroids or other antiviral medications. Where is this available, and is it patients who are linked to primary care providers, or how do they find this kind of care through Mayo Clinic? You know, for any patient, any Mayo Clinic patient that tests positive uh, for COVID-19, uh, they are assessed by one of the COVID care team providers for eligibility to, to participate in the remote patient monitoring program. Um, so it really uh, is, goes not only for our primary care impaneled patients, but also supports those receiving um, specialty care as well uh, at Mayo Clinic at all of our Mayo sites throughout uh, the organization. Can you give us a little bit more detail about how patients are remotely monitored at home? Is, are they on these monitors like 24 hours a day or just occasionally? And then how do you get this equipment to them to use? Uh, we partner with a company uh, that works to uh, ship the technology kit to the patient uh, wherever they are planning to self-isolate um, through their recovery from the illness. Um, so we work together with the patients and, the, and their caregivers um, to have the technology shipped to either their home or, or wherever they may be. The box is in the kit itself is very simple. When patients take out the tablet and turn it on, it is, it is ready to go. It is cellular enabled. We don't have to worry about Wi-Fi or connectivity. 
In addition to that, uh, the devices that we're using for the biometric monitoring are all Bluetooth enabled. So again, that information is just passively collected and it's available to our care teams um, visible in the electronic health record. This part, thankfully, is uh, quite simple for patients. In fact, 96% of our patients in, in our uh, surveys have said that the technology is extremely uh, easy to use. Uh, and that's something that uh, is pretty good by our standards. What uh, symptoms or vital signs do you monitor and how often does the healthcare team kind of check in on the patient to um, collect that information? We're checking in with the patients at least twice daily uh, while they're on the program. So when they are checking in with us, they'll receive a prompt from the tablet uh, that will ask them to complete a series of uh, questions uh, where we are assessing for any new or worsening symptoms, um, and then also to report their vital signs to us. For the patients who are immunosuppressed and perhaps at the greatest risk for complications from the COVID-19 disease, we are checking in with them four times daily um, with a similar series of questions as well as the vital sign reporting. What kind of vital signs do you look at? The main thing with uh, the COVID-19 illness is that we are monitoring their oxygen saturation levels um, using the pulse oximeter. Um, also monitoring their, their temperature with the thermometer, as well as the blood pressure cuff uh, to make sure that uh, patients are maintaining uh, normal blood pressure. Certainly with this illness, some patients um, can experience um, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, um, and because of their other medical conditions, um, they may be at risk for low blood pressure. Um, and so those are the, the vital signs that we are, we are monitoring. And again, we have some predetermined uh, parameters working with our COVID-19 experts to develop these decision trees and order sets and parameters that will alert our nurses then when there are any worrisome trends. And then how do you decide that a patient needs to go in and get additional care? The practice of medicine then, it, it's, it's taking that data, taking that information. Our nurses again are, are sort of our, our digital front lines, if you will, um, responding to the patients when there are alerts. They will either video or phone the patient to do a full clinical assessment. And then using their clinical judgment will determine whether or not to escalate care to our, our care team physicians. Those physicians then, uh, as needed, will reach out to the patients uh, directly and then make a final assessment if we need to bring paramedics to the house or if we need to further escalate the care, sometimes even bringing them directly into the hospital as a direct admission. On the converse, how do you know when the remote monitoring can end? The, the end of the program uh, for COVID-19 specifically really is tailored to each individual patient. Our COVID care team physicians, again, will determine the duration based on uh, the patient's underlying comorbidities, uh, based on the severity of their illness, if they did experience hypoxia or low oxygen levels while they're uh, recovering from the illness, um, if they had a hospitalization, etc. It can vary anywhere from 10 to 21 days and sometimes even longer for those patients who really have lingering symptoms um, and are just taking longer in, in their recovery. We are also, of course, trying to do our very best to keep up with the ever-changing uh, CDC guidelines as well for the duration of uh, isolation that is required as well. So we take all of these things into consideration and really tailor it to each individual. We have all heard about the shortage of hospital beds and the concerns about having to be in the hospital during the pandemic. 
I would think this would make patients feel much more safe having this kind of touch point regularly. Are they satisfied with the program? Patients uh, have been very satisfied uh, with the program. We do want to hear from our patients, so we do send uh, surveys to our patients to understand their experience. Over 1,300 surveys that have been completed specific to the COVID-19 remote patient monitoring program, 94% of our patients have reported being extremely or somewhat satisfied with the program. 91% of them reporting that they'd likely recommend uh, the program to a family member or a friend if they were affected. But it's also the subjective comments that we have uh, received back from uh, the patients that I think have been the most heartwarming and uplifting and inspiring, uh, especially to our care teams, the vast majority of whom have never had a face-to-face -face encounter with any of these patients. Right, you know, we're managing these patients remotely. We have technology teams and our operational teams working behind the scenes who never have any direct patient contact. So to receive comments um, that patients feel eternally grateful, that they feel that the program was their lifeline during their recovery, felt like they had an angel on their shoulder during their recovery. Those have been very inspiring uh, comments. We're grateful for that feedback. I think additionally, we always look for opportunities to grow and evolve the program. So um, we take all of the comments uh, into consideration as we continue to iterate and improve the program to ensure we are meeting our patients' needs. Not only would patients probably appreciate being uh, checked on as far as uh, medically, but uh, this is very isolating. Obviously, we require that people isolate. And so having a regular checkpoint of someone who's caring about you is, is bound to be positive for the patients. Exactly right. That is so unique about um, this particular illness. You know, normally when we're recovering from uh, any acute illness, um, we have our loved ones there uh, helping to support us in our recovery. And yet with COVID-19, we are asking just the opposite, that they completely isolate. Um, and so having this connection really is very reassuring uh, that Mayo, uh, our care teams, our experts are watching over them, uh, monitoring for any concerning trends. Uh, and additionally, I think it gives a lot of support to the caregivers who are of course worried uh, about their loved one. And I think they're very reassured as well that um, they are being monitored closely and in, good, in very good hands. Dr. Haddad, you mentioned at the beginning, I think, that the application of this to COVID-19, but what are the other applications of the remote monitoring program that were being used before COVID-19 and maybe used in the future? We are very fortunate to have an established program and framework that we could leverage to very rapidly develop this COVID-19 program back in March. Since 2017, uh, we have been developing and implementing remote patient monitoring throughout the enterprise uh, to support patients with chronic conditions such as congestive heart failure, COPD, or unstable hypertension, diabetes, just to name a few. We initially implemented in the Mayo Clinic Health System and then more recently um, at our Rochester, Florida, and Arizona sites as well. In addition to that, we've been expanding the program um, to support more uh, specialty care as well. So. We have now established a program for patients who have completed uh, surgical procedures, such as coronary artery bypass grafting, uh, the cabbage procedure, um, to help support patients who are at risk for 
needing to be back in the hospital uh, or readmission to the hospital uh, following their surgery and hospital, initial surgery and hospital discharge. We're also developing uh, programs to help support patients who are hospitalized and had ICU level care, our post-ICU program. And most recently uh, this year, we had a pilot implementation for a program, remote patient monitoring, to support cancer patients following CAR-T, which is a complex and high-risk form of, of cancer treatment that really requires intensive outpatient monitoring. So we look to continue to expand the program to support, you know, kind of that population health, um, primary care patients with chronic conditions, but also to support, you know, the care of, of, of serious and complex disease, um, patients being managed in our uh, specialty practices throughout the organization. Our thanks to Dr. Tafaya Haddad for being with us today to talk about remote patient monitoring. I hope that you learned something. I know that I did, and we wish you a wonderful day. Mayo Clinic Q&A is a production of the Mayo Clinic News Network and is available wherever you get and subscribe to your favorite podcasts. To see a list of all Mayo Clinic podcasts, visit newsnetwork.mayoclinic.org. Then click on podcasts. Thanks for listening and be well.